Good morning and welcome to worship today at Kern Church. My name is Will and I'm the pastor here. Today at Kern Church, we are a church that's committed to creating belonging and hope by connecting you to a life renewed by Jesus. And my hope for you today is that you find that belonging and you find that hope as you, as you encounter Jesus and encounter life with, with other folks. Today we're going to celebrate Holy Communion. And I want you to know that anyone who desires to follow after the way of Jesus is is invited to share in Holy Communion as we take of the bread and take of the cup to receive the presence of Christ, to receive the presence of Christ. If you're going to be joining with us at home online, I I invite you to have elements ready online or at home as well. Let's uh, open up now with prayer. Almighty God, I, I thank you for this day. I thank you for this day where your people come together to worship you. I pray that you bless those who have joined together this day. Bless those who are joining online. May they receive the the presence of your Holy Spirit. May your resurrection power fall upon each one as we share and as we sing and as we pray. Give this all to you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, uh, several years ago, we purchased an alarm system for our home, and it had all the, you know, the outdoor door sensors and, and, and the motion sensors and such. And this was before you could control everything with your smartphone. You could just kind of take care of that yourself. Um, it was before this would be hooked up to your smart speakers, and perhaps you have some of this in your, your home. But it worked great um, at the time, and it provided such a peace of mind in the place that we last lived. You see, we last, where we lived before moving to Oak Ridge the, over the summer, is we lived in, right on a, a main highway. Um, it sounds really glamorous, I know, you're jealous. Um, but it, we lived right on a main highway behind the church that I was serving, and this meant that our house was pretty public. I could be sitting out, you know, grilling outside and, and people honk. And of course, they're driving 60 miles per hour and I don't know who they are, um, but they're, they're honking nonetheless. Uh, um, they never stopped to eat, but maybe that would have been better. And, and most of the time, this really wasn't an issue. But, but sometimes, you know, this did produce a little bit of stress in the worry part of my brain because, you know, people knew what, what we were up to if they really cared. Most people probably could care less. But one time we were out of town, and, and I remember that when we were out of town, I got, an alert, um, I got an alert or a call that our alarm system had been triggered by a motion sensor, which was odd, right? Because we had door sensors, and so if somebody was going to get through, normally they would, they would trip one of the entry sensors before tripping a motion sensor, and so this concerned me and um, wasn't sure what was happening. We didn't have good cell coverage. Eventually, this is one of the perks of living in a small town, is that like you know, when the call of the police happens, they're to your house before you hang up the phone. And, 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 and so that's basically what happened. I called the, was able to call the alarm company and then was able to call the sheriff or the police department. I'm not sure who responded. And, and they said, yeah, somebody came out. They looked over the house. They walked in. There was no, no signs of entry. And, you know, basically it was a false alarm. That happened before. And there was like a wind, or a balloons that floated through the house, right? And, and those are really dangerous balloons. This time, I think it was just the system was old and it was a, a default or a defective motion sensor. But, but this was also about the time when they started selling those uh, cameras that you could put up, those kind of like entry-level cameras that, that just about any you know, idiot with a, with a smartphone could put up. And so I, I, I was like, well, that defined who I was. And, and, and I knew that when I would be away that I could at least look and see what was going on. And so I, so I bought some and uh, was able to put them up around the house to look at the entry points, 
And, you know, that, that provided its own sense of, like, uh, its own sense of, of reassurance, especially when we were away, because we could look, and when UPS would drop off a package, we'd know that it was there. And this was just like the time when, when things were like this were beginning to be accessible. After that event of having the police call to my house when I couldn't figure out what was going on, I knew that I wanted to, I wanted to avoid the risk of being unaware of what was happening at my home, especially when perhaps my family might be there and, and I might be away on a trip or something, especially with the, the public place that we kind of lived. And so this enabled me to, to minimize really probably the risk to my sanity more so than the risk to like property and, and body, but, but, but minimize the risk to my sanity when I wasn't at home. And on occasion, it did provide, you know, uh, some help. Odd things would happen, and these cameras came in handy. These cameras kind of became like a, a sense of peace in mind and security and a, a way to minimize risk. And you know, in, in life, there is a, a lot of good, uh, good things involved in, in managing risk like this. I mean, it can provide, when you manage risk in your life, it can provide a, a sense of security and safety for yourself and your family. I mean, it's important to have, to have things like insurance, right? To protect your property and, and, and to protect your home. It's important to have auto insurance to protect yourself and to protect those around you as you perhaps navigate the roads and unfortunately get in accidents as that happens. One of the first things that I pay each and every month is, is life insurance to make sure that if something happens to myself or my wife that, that, um, that they're taken care of, the family's taken care of as much as possible. Um, I don't know that that'll go as far as I thought it would when I originally purchased it, but um, nonetheless, uh, nonetheless, it's something that, that, I, that I value. We have, uh, of course, we have fire alarms and carbon monoxide detectors to, to protect, protect life and to manage risk as much as, as we can in a reasonable way. You know, as a rule, though, I guess that I kind of tend to be rather conservative in my activities and my ventures because I tend to be uh, fairly risk adverse. Perhaps this is because of my life stage. I've got four kids at home that I feel like they depend on me and then I see them like living their lives except the seven month old and he could care less if I exist because, you know, mom is there. But, but like the rest of them, they just kind of take care of themselves and, and, and really know what to do by this point. But but whatever the, whatever the case it is, it's just kind of the way I feel. I, I don't feel like I want to take too many risks. And I've, I, you know, I've always been the kind of person that wanted to plan out and try to figure things out before I would go on any new adventure. I, I guess maybe it's more than just being a parent that I've always kind of tended to do things that weren't too risky. At the same time, though, I've always admired those other people, Right? It seems like they're jumping out of airplanes every week or, or starting a new vin business venture every other month or just doing something like spur of the moment, taking, taking life and, and, and uh, doing all different kinds of adventures, taking different kinds of risks. And it just seems that, that there are people who thrive on this, who thrive on, on taking these risks in life. And I have to admit that I wish I was a little more like this. I feel like my, my life, perhaps, I'm missing something out by not living this way because it, it seems that for people who, who live a, a bit on the, on the wild side, that their lives are full in, in ways that, 
that will often feel like I, I am missing out or, or, or I am not getting you know, something out of this. Now, perhaps that's not as true as much today as it was before I had a bunch of kids at home, but it's definitely, it's definitely a thing. You know, humans struggle with how to handle risk. I mean, there's whole industries built around handling and managing risk. There, humans struggle with how to manage risk. And, and maybe this is something that, that you have considered before. How much life insurance do I actually need? How much should I actually save for retirement? Is it okay for me to go on that vacation now instead of saving that money for a later time? How much risk am I willing to take in life? And I think it's true that some people are more risk-adverse than other people, and some people seem to thrive and live successfully on this wilder side of life. And while humans, humans struggle with how to handle risk, it's just a part of life, and even though we struggle with how to handle risk, risk is something that God really knows something about very deeply. I think it's easy to imagine, if you know anything about God, that God doesn't take any risks. Like, God's this, this big, all-powerful thing and, and knows everything and can do everything. And so, so what is it for God to take any risk? But here's the thing. Throughout all of, all of human history, God has had to deal with human beings, and this is kind of a, a risky venture. And, and God has taken risk after risk in dealing with humans. God created humanity out of love, and, and God didn't know when God created us that, that we, if we would return that love, right? God didn't know if we would love God back, and time and time again throughout the Bible, if you read, read the Old Testament or the New Testament, you read about how people continued to turn their backs on God throughout every stage of human history. Time after time, though, as people turned their backs on God, God chose to risk it again. God chose love again, and, and God would send prophets and, and teachers and people to, to, invite, to invite human beings back into loving relationship to God, would risk it again, and time after time, this would happen. And then when, when God sent Jesus into the world, when God sent Jesus, we find that Jesus risked it all, not just as happenstance, but Jesus risked it all to save the world. See, early, early Christians, would one of the ways that they would talk with each other and share good news is by writing letters. And so this early Christian writer, a leader, a guy by the name of Paul, was writing a letter to some Christians who lived in Philippi. And he summed up really well this risk that, that God took in sending, in sending Jesus. He wrote this in that letter in, in Philippians chapter 2. Though he, that is Jesus was in the form of God. So, so though Jesus was in the form of God, though Jesus was God or is God, he did not consider being equal with God something to exploit. But he emptied himself by taking the form of a slave and by becoming like human beings. So, so Paul says that, that Jesus had, had all the power of God, yet, yet he emptied himself and, and somehow removed part of himself to take a risk to take on human form, he humbled himself, verse 8, by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And then in what is perhaps the most famous passage in the Bible, we find this same risk again in the words of Jesus that are recorded by his friend John in John chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. You may know John three sixteen. 
God so loved the world that He gave His only Son so that everyone who believes in Him won't perish but have eternal life. God didn't send His Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through Him. Through sin and death, humanity separated itself from God, and God could have been okay with that. I mean, God had everything God you know, needed. God could take care of Himself, right? Uh, but several times, God sent different prophets to try to help, but none of this really lasted in the long term, and people continued to turn away from God, and, and God continued to risk it. And, and then at the end, God was like, you know what? I, I'm tired of taking these small risks. I'm going to take these ultimate risks of all. And, and God decided to get out of the risk management business and decided to risk it all. God decided that, that He would come Himself that he would come himself and, and live on the wild side. So God gave his only son so that all the world might be saved. Jesus risked it all to save the world. What are you willing to risk to be near to Jesus? Jesus risked it all to save the world. What are you willing to risk to be near to Jesus? This is the question today. The church, the, the Christian church finds itself in the second Sunday of Lent. And Lent is a period of 40 days of, of kind of like prayer and fasting leading up to Easter to help, to help followers of Jesus become closer, closer to God in a spiritual journey. And, and this is a time that's designed to, to help you grow closer to Jesus. And we see that, that Jesus risked it all to, to save the world. And so in the beginning of the second Sunday of Lent, what are you willing to do to risk be near to Jesus. To help you consider this question, I want to share with you a little more about what John wrote, about what John wrote about Jesus. You see, John 3.16 that, that talks about the big risk that God took in Jesus, that God sent his son, his only begotten son, as, as an older translation says, to save the world. It, it's not just a, a verse of scripture that, that stands out there and that People write on their, you know, their faces and have on tattoos. It's, it, it's, it, it's instead uh, the culmination of a conversation. It doesn't happen there on a plaque on the wall that, that somebody might hang up. It's a culmination statement of a conversation that Jesus had with this guy named Nicodemus. And, and Nicodemus, at, at, when he lived, was, a, was what was called a Pharisee. And a Pharisee at the time was basically just a religious leader of the day. And so Nicodemus comes to Jesus... And, and what you have to understand about Pharisees is these were folks who were often opposed to Jesus, who were often presented as, as people who, who opposed the ministry of God through Jesus. So when Nicodemus comes to Jesus, he's taken a certain amount of risk to his reputation, to his station in life, because he's, he's slumming it, so to speak, with Jesus. So John records, John records what happens in John 3 beginning in verse 1. So John 3.16 is at the end of this, but this is at the beginning. There was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a Jewish leader. So that's what John tells us. Nicodemus was a Jewish leader. He came to Jesus at night, so he's sneaking around, right? Nothing good happens at night. We don't have lights and, and electric lights. You don't have street lamps. It's dark, and then the shadows, like literally at night. And so Nicodemus is sneaking around through the shadows and the dark of night to get a glimpse of Jesus and to be able to talk to him. Maybe he doesn't want to be seen by his, his, fellow, his fellow Pharisees. So he goes to Jesus, taking a bit of risk, and says to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come 
from God. For no one could do these miraculous signs that you do unless God is with him. And Jesus answered, I assure you that unless someone is born, born anew, it's not possible to see God's kingdom. Then Nicodemus and, and Jesus go on to discuss what it means to see God's kingdom. And, and, and if you read this passage, and I could read it all the way through, but, but it kind of, the language kind of gets confusing because Nicodemus has, has like not, it's not really understanding what Jesus is saying, and so they're kind of talking past each other. So some of the reading can get, can get a little bit confusing, but basically what they're doing is, is that Jesus just goes on to discuss with Nicodemus what God is doing what God is up to, and what it takes to be a part of God's kingdom. How Jesus does these miraculous things, and what it means to be born anew or, or born again. Then this conversation culminates in Jesus sharing with Nicodemus about the ultimate risk that God took in sending him. The ultimate risk that God took in sending Jesus into the world, which was what we already read in John 3.16 where Jesus tells Nicodemus, God so loved the world. He's like, you're not understanding this, buddy. We're having this conversation back and forth, but, but let me just lay it out for you. God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him won't perish, but will have eternal life. Jesus is saying, you know, I'm, I'm tired of going back and forth with you on this in this conversation. Just this is what it is. God loved the world so much that he gave his only son. God didn't send his son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved, saved through him. So we've already established that God risked everything in Jesus, but what about you? Where, where does that leave you? What are you willing to risk to be near to Jesus? Well, Nicodemus wasn't even a follower of Jesus. Remember, as a Pharisee, he was a part of a religious group that, that were often opposed to Jesus. But I, I think that these religious leaders were, were curious about Jesus. So Nicodemus, he, he risks a little bit and kind of sneaks out into the shadows to, to find Jesus and to figure out what he's about. And in this encounter, Nicodemus learns that, about who Jesus is and learns everything that God has risked to save humanity. So if you want to really follow Jesus in your life, you have to take a bit of risk in it. It's not a risk-free game. Nicodemus knew this. He, 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 I mean, that he, he wasn't even a follower of Jesus, but he took risk. He knew that to be near to Jesus, you had to take a bit of risk. So are you willing? What are you willing to risk? Are you willing to, to risk a, a bit of your comfort to be near to Jesus? The world says that your life should be about you or or maybe even about you and those that are closest to you in your household, maybe those that are, are next door to you. The world should be about you and those close to you making you happy. But Jesus says, you know, it's not really about being happy. Instead, when you follow after the way of Jesus, you are invited to live the way that Jesus lived. Earlier, I shared with you about what Paul wrote to the Christians living in Philippi, about Jesus emptying himself and, and, and risking everything. Well, Paul also told them that they should risk their comfort to be near to Jesus. He wrote in Philippians 2, verses 4 and 5, that instead of each person watching out for their own good, watch out for what is better for others. 
Like, don't just, just look after yourself. He says, get out of your comfort zone, risk a little bit, watch out for others. And then he says, adopt the attitude that was in Christ Jesus. It's like, this is what Jesus did, Paul says, and this is what I invite you to do. Are you willing to risk a bit of, of your comfort in order to follow after the way of Jesus? I've been talking with our, our youth and our, our children's leaders. I mean, we have, uh, we, we have young people in, in our church that are, that are desperate for the need of caring adults who will, who will serve and get out of their comfort zone to, to rock babies and to, to mentor with, with students. I mean, are you willing to, to risk just a little bit of your own comfort to serve others, to, to volunteer in ways that perhaps you hadn't before? And we, if you're interested in, in serving with our youth and our children, we have this new process that, that streamlines background checks and makes that whole process a lot simpler to be able to, to onboard people and, and, and to be able to serve in the way that God is intending you to do. Or maybe, maybe you're someone who really likes talking to folks and, and, and offering people a smile. And, and maybe God wants, wants you to, to serve on a, on a new hospitality team that we're, that we're starting here at the church. We, we're going to have a meeting about this in a few weeks, and if you get our newsletter, I shared about this in, in our newsletter, in the newsletter article this past week, and some of you have already reached out to me about, about wanting to share the welcome of Jesus and just taking a next step to, to reach out and to share a smile and a, a greeting to someone as they enter, enter into this space. If you want to take a next step in this, I invite you to reach out to me or to any of our ministry, ministry leaders um, to help you get connected. Jesus risked it all to save the world. What, what are you willing to risk to be near to Jesus? Or, or maybe are you willing to risk your routine? Lent is, is the perfect time to switch things up. I am someone who enjoys my routine. If I wake up and don't drink two cups of coffee, like things aren't okay with the world and things aren't okay with me. And as a corollary, things aren't okay with those around me. I make sure that they know it. Like this isn't okay, but it's just kind of who I am. And, but what are you willing to risk in your routine to draw nearer to Jesus? And, and Lent is the perfect time to, to switch things up and really focus on spiritual practices. I have heard from, from a few in our church, from some of you, uh, about some new spiritual practices that you're trying for Lent. And if you still haven't figured this out yet, I want to invite you to, to check out the website at, at kernchurch.org slash Lent, and we have a spiritual, growth, a spiritual growth resource guide that's there. There's a link in the bulletin and, and on the website about that. Jesus risked it all to save the world. What are you willing to risk to be near to Jesus? Are you willing to risk your own safety? God calls some to go to the end of the earth to serve God and, and to serve others. A friend of mine was, was called, uh, called by God to be a missionary in Russia, and he sold all his belongings. And, and like this is a story that you hear, I guess. And he sold all his belongings and moved to Russia with two red suitcases. Um, he's not there now, but, but he served there for several years. And this isn't a call that God puts on everyone. It really isn't a call God puts on most people, probably. But God does put it on a sum. Jesus risked everything to save the world. What are you doing? What are you willing to risk to be near to Jesus? Are you willing to risk even your, your financial security? I mean, sometimes God asks people to make extravagant gifts to bold things for the kingdom of God. 
Sometimes God asks people to, to leave behind lucrative careers for, for something else, some other type of, of service. God, and God always asks followers of Jesus to give regularly and, and systematically to the good work that, that God does through the church. And Jesus risked it all to save the world. What are you doing or willing to risk to be near to Jesus? When you risk yourself, when you risk of yourself, you're following after the way of Jesus who emptied himself for your sake, for your sake. Where might God be calling you to take a risk in your life? Where might God be calling you to take a risk in your spiritual life? How might God be calling you to take a risk that helps you to be near to the love of Jesus and, and helps you to live for God's kingdom even more? I want you to know that I am so proud to be the pastor of a church that takes big risks for the kingdom of God. You know, we see it played out every day. I see it played out every day. Kern Church, uh, think about last fall especially, and, and, and if you were here last fall, Kern Church was in a very pre precarious financial situation in the fall. This was the result of some leadership challenges and on top of COVID and then on top of, uh, of some increased fixed costs that were kind of set into our operational budget. And this forced us at the time to make some really difficult decisions. But more than that, it forced you and I to, to take a risk, to really take a risk. During this time, I was like, I don't know what I got myself into coming to be the pastor here, but during this time I realized that, that we as human beings could not manage our way out of this situation. We could not manage our way out of the difficulties we had managed our way into them, but it was going to take a miracle of God, a miracle of God to walk into a new future. So I, I invited you to join me by taking a huge risk of, of just praying, of just praying bold prayers. And, and this is where our, our breakthrough prayer comes from, and you can find that in your, in your bulletin. So if you're in the need of breakthroughs and miracles in your life, I want to give you the, the breakthrough prayer just to pray daily in your life. And you and I learned how to risk it all. By praying, God, release the resurrection power of your Holy Spirit to break through and bring miracles of new hopes and dreams and possibilities into our church and in my own life. And God said, okay, here's the resurrection power. Here it is. Thank you for taking the risk. And, and from this movement of God, we're able to see goodness all around us. We could tell the stories of celebrations of God happening all around us. We have been witness to people coming to faith in Christ Jesus. We have been witness to next steps along the spiritual journey. We have been witness to financial miracles too. We had a Reach in Faith campaign where we raised over $55,000 to help us to be faithful to God in a new season in ministry. And we passed the first balanced budget, balanced ministry budget at Kern Church in years. In years. And all of this was through What's the risk? What's the risk that you took with me in prayer? All of this was through the risk you took with God in prayer. You see how God can pour out powerful ways on, on, on this whole church. And I just imagine, what would it be like in your life? What would it be like in your life if you lived this in your life? If you took just even a smallest risk on God and, and said, God, what could you do? What could you do in my life? What miracle could you do in my life if I was just willing to risk? I mean, this is what it looks like when the people of God risk it all as Jesus risked it all. 
Jesus risked it all to save the world. What are you doing? What are you willing to risk to be near Jesus? To be near Jesus. Let's pray. Oh God, you risked everything to be near us. And so today, I, I just ask that you help us to risk things to be near you. To be near you, your son Jesus. I pray for each one who hears these words that, that you will pour out blessing upon their lives and, and help them to, to risk something for your kingdom. Help them to experience newness and new life. Help them to take one step towards you. One risk to be near to you. Through Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. As we move now into this time of Holy Communion, this is a remembrance and a celebration of the risk that God took in life. You see, Jesus came forward in life and ministry, sharing goodness, sharing new life, taking ultimate risk. As one who is obedient to God, He met with His followers in a room together before He would meet His own death. And he, he, as they met there, they shared a meal together. And, and Jesus took a humble piece of bread and blessed it and, and said to God, this is my body, which is given for you. Eat this in remembrance of me. And then he took the cup and said, this is the blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. And asking God to bless it, he said, drink from this, all of you. In remembrance of me. And so when God's people share around this table, we share around a table that was initiated out of the most riskiest adventure. The, the most riskiest adventure of God giving himself for you in a life-giving way. And it invites you to be filled with the very presence of Jesus and then to go forth and share in that risk towards God and others. Let us pray. O most powerful Holy Spirit, Pour out upon these gifts of bread and the cup your blessed presence so that they may be for us the body and blood of Christ, that we may be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. Make us one with you and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. All honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. This is the body of Christ, which is given for you. This is the cup of salvation, which is poured out for you. Lord, I give you thanks for your presence. May this strengthen your people for the risk you call us to take. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. May you be blessed with the love of Jesus in your life and in all that you do. Go forth with the risk and love of God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Go this day. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you want to reach out to Kern Memorial United Methodist Church or see entire services, you can visit our YouTube channel, Kern Memorial United Methodist Church, and remember to like and subscribe for updates. You can also visit us on our Facebook page at Kern Memorial United Methodist Church. Thanks and have a blessed day.